I've wrestled with this question all week long, and how in the world do you begin a series entitled Autopsy? So if you would allow me just a few moments to give you a background to why we're going to be spending the next three weeks leading up to our annual State of the Church message every Sunday, last Sunday in January, learning from this teaching series, um, Autopsy. So it, it, it starts off this way. Many years ago, even before I was called here to Lutheran Memorial, I came across this book entitled Autopsy of a Deceased Church. I read it. And it made so much sense. I could look at my congregation at the time and, and many of the congregations in the town that I was in and, and many of the congregations in the district and, and the synod of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and I could easily see the church was sick. In some cases, the church was very sick. In other cases, the church was dying. And even others, the church was dead. The doors were closed. Now, what is important for us to understand as we spend this time together over the next several weeks is this. The church will never die. Period. The body of Christ will never die. There will always be the church. Jesus says to Peter in Matthew 16, verse 18, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This little verse is jam-packed with powerful words that give the church, the body of Christ, so much hope. We're going to explore this a little bit more later on in our time together. But now, knowing that, that Christ's church will never die and it will always go on, we have this reality before us that we can look out in our communities and we can see that churches are dying. Statistics show us this. We, we see other churches that have died. The buildings have been closed. Some of them have been sold. Some of them sit vacant for years. And, and some of them, when they die in the right way, they're able to use that building and repurpose it for ministry continued in the community they're in. But the reality is this. Every day, churches close their doors, even more so now that the pandemic has happened. And people often wonder why. They, they question, how did it get to this point? The, the problem is, too often, people don't notice what is happening until it's too late. Others sometimes notice it, and they don't want to put in the effort to figure out what needs to be done. So in this book, Autopsy of a Deceased Church, what it does, it takes you through the common denominators of 14 churches that closed their doors. Now, these churches were all Christian churches. They were from different denominations, and some were non-denominational. But they all had some common denominators that led to their closing. And one of those commonalities was the fact that the church did not close overnight. It didn't just shut its doors and was done all of a sudden. One of the common denominators for all the churches was it was a slow deterioration within the church that led to its closing. So this book traveled with me from my previous congregation to hear, and, and it was on the shelf for years, and I came across it again early in the pandemic, and I reread it. 
and it still resonated with me. The autopsies revealed that there are only about 10% of Christian churches that are healthy. And there are 10% of, of Christian churches that are dying. And the other 80% fall into the middle. 40% are, 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 are churches that have symptoms of sickness, and 40% of churches are very, very sick. And so as I read it, I thought to myself, and I prayed, when do we address this? And how do we address this? How do we dive into this to help our church understand where we were and where we are currently and where, by God's grace, we're going to go? So I prayed about it, and when I read it, the timing wasn't right until now. You see, once I knew the timing was right, that we were going to do this series starting off January 2022, I read the book again, except this time I read it with the church staff. We took three plus months to go over this book, chapter by chapter, during the first part of our weekly staff meetings. I gave this book to our board of directors. They've read it. And this is what we're going to be using as part of our long-range planning continuing to see where God is desiring his church to go. The reason that the staff read it, the reason that the board of directors read it, the reason that I've read it five or six, seven times is because the book is good and the book is important. So here we are, beginning another year of our Lord where he leads us and the time is right to do an autopsy. So these next few weeks, we are going to explore God's word and how our church has and does stack up in this autopsy. Now, I know, maybe you're not a member of this church. Maybe you are, are worshiping with us today, <clears throat> excuse me, um, as a visitor. We are so glad that you're here. We are so thankful that you're worshiping with us. And, and it's my prayer that maybe God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, work in you something here that you can garner and, and take back with you to your home congregation. Maybe, maybe you've been worshiping with us for a while. You're a continuous visitor. We're so glad that you're worshiping with us. You're not ready to join a church. That's great. Come back and worship with us as much as you want. But it, it's my prayer through this that the Holy Spirit work in your heart to help you see where the church once was to where now God has brought this church as you worship with us today. And finally, if you are a member of Luther Memorial, I've been praying about this all week. If you're a member of Luther Memorial, I pray that you allow the Holy Spirit to work on your heart as we dissect where we have been and where God is taking his church into the future. What we see in this autopsy is not meant to place blame on anyone. Okay, I'm gonna, I want to say that again. What we see in this autopsy is not meant to place blame on anyone. But what we will see in this autopsy is how God has moved this congregation from one phase to another by his grace. So please, especially you members, please, if you have any questions or concerns, talk to me. Not to anyone else. Come talk to me. This is an opportunity to learn and to grow through what God has done and what he will continue to do. So with all that being said, will you pray with me? Lord, this is your church. It's always been your church. 
We thank you for the work that you have done and the work that you will continue to do. We pray that you send your Holy Spirit upon this place, upon these hearts, and they may be moved by the truth of your love and grace and forgiveness. That together we, your church, may see what has been happening and where we are able to go by your love and mercy. And through it all, Lord, may our focus continue to be built on that solid rock confession of the faith we have in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, whose name we pray. Amen. All right, you ready? Ready or not, here we go. When I arrived here at Luther Memorial in August of 2015, I was called by you, the church. You are the church. You are the, the body of believers. And I was called by you to serve God and lead you, his people. Specifically, I was called to come and bring a more mission mindset to the church. And to connect the church with the campus once again. So, so God sent me here to use my gifts and my talents that he had blessed me with. And even before I accepted um, the call to this church, I talked with many people. You see, I prayed about this, but I also talked with many people, and I began to understand what the church was. And I began to understand a little bit more of what the church did, but I also began to understand for some, a few people in the leadership where they wanted to see the church go. So essentially, starting way back in 2014, and then in 2015, I was doing an autopsy of Luther Memorial. Being an outsider, I could look at the church and see that it was showing some symptoms of sickness. And in some areas, I could see the church was very sick. But I wasn't the only one. There were some lay leaders who could see it too. You're thinking, okay, how was the, 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 the church sick? Well, this church was like, like many churches who were sick. Because 80% of them are. The church was sick in a way because a lot of the focus was just being placed on programs within the church. And, and then aside from a few times a year, much focus remained on what was being done for the members. One leader said to me, they noticed that it was more like a country club mentality than it was a church. Focus was more inward than outward. Things were done because they were always done that way. And everything was comfortable. And, and because of this, so many within the church couldn't see the slow erosion that was happening. But the good news was that some could. Some within the leadership recognized the problem at hand. And, and the way they stated in the book, Autopsy of the Deceased Church, it says this, the great commission had become the great omission. The needs of those within the walls were, were being met, and a little was being done for, for those outside the church membership, but not a lot. And, and, and it was realized that things could not continue to be done as they were in the past if the church was going to continue to move beyond just surviving. That's where so many churches get stuck. So many churches can't move beyond survival because they like comfortable. 
They like comfortable and they like what was done in the past. It's easy to just keep doing the same thing. People like it, so let's keep it. Never mind that things have changed in the world, but let's go ahead and just keep doing the same thing. And they'll, they'll come back eventually. You see, also in, in churches that are just surviving, the past is what is always talked about. The past is what people want to keep. The past is what people wanted me to be. I was told, the pastor before you did this during the service, you should too. We really like this. You should do it too. I was told, the pastor before you did this for Good Friday service, so you should do it too. And, and the pastor before you and the pastor before him and the pastor before him did it this way, so, so you should do it too. I, I tell you what. I tried for just a moment to do some of those, those things, but God quickly turned me around twice, and, and he reminded me that I am who I am, who he created me to be. I am who I am, who he created me to be as a pastor, and how I do things. And I am so very thankful that he gave me that quick reminder. But here's the thing. I am so very thankful for the men who have come before me, too. I am so thankful for the men that God had called to be pastors here who proclaimed Jesus as Lord and Savior of this church since 1960. They had gifts. They had talents. Different ones than I have. Yet we had the same job. We were called for the same purpose. To teach truth. To preach Christ crucified. To share what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 13. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And yet, we had different ways of doing it. We have different ways of sharing the same truth. Not wrong. Okay? The way I do things is not wrong. The way they did things was not wrong. It's just different. But you see, that's the problem with a church that is sick. They, they try to hold on to the past and live with it in the present. A church that is sick holds on to the past and lives with it in the present. But here's the thing. You can't. You just can't. So again, understand this. I respect, I love all those who came before me. I'm thankful for the work that God did through them to get his church to where it was when he sent me here in August of 2015. But you all know by now, I don't live in the past. It's not me. And, 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 and coming in from the outside looking in, right, it quickly became obvious to me that, that doing the same things we were doing in the past were not working. They weren't working anymore, and they weren't going to continue to work. Because, I mean, look, you can look at it now. Were people running into Lutheran Memorial to come and worship Jesus on Sunday mornings? Were they flinging that door open and flying in? No. People didn't know the name Lutheran Memorial in the community. The, the people right outside these, these four walls barely knew the church was here except for worship on, on Sunday morning. The church was comfortable. The church was content. 
Here's the thing. I've said it before and I'll say it till God takes me home. When one gets comfortable, when one gets content, that's when Satan works. That's when Satan so often works within the church. Satan is crafty. You know that, right? In your life, you know that. But he's crafty within the church as well. It doesn't take a big blow-up event to have Satan destroy what is going on. Sometimes just Satan works through comfort and content, and he tries to lull us asleep. God knew where this church was at. And God knew exactly where the church was going. God knew, friends, that the truth was being taught here. And praise God for that. This church stands on the word of God. Amen. Now, many churches don't today. God knew that that truth was being taught. He knew that the word was being preached every Sunday. Amen. Thank God for that. He knew that the sacraments were being administered. Amen. Thank God for that. He knew people were gathering to study books and, and, and watch videos and, and look at the Bible. And praise God for that. And, and for these things, God was thankful. I was thankful. For since the time the church began, it has been and continues to be founded on the word of God. This church continues to confess Jesus as the Christ. This church continues to confess that Jesus is the Savior of the world. On this truth, Luther Memorial has built its foundation. Pastor after pastor after pastor after pastor have proclaimed this truth for God's people. The church has never been built on its pastor, or it shouldn't be. A pastor's agenda, you know, some churches say the pastor has an agenda. If that's the case and that's what's going forward, that's on the church. But this church has never been built on that. This church has been solidly built on Jesus Christ. It's built its faith on Jesus Christ. Listen again to our text today. Matthew 16 says this, beginning with verse 13. When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This, this verse sometimes gets misconstrued a little bit. The church is not built on Peter. It's not. Peter is just a man. He's not a rock. Jesus says here, you are Peter. You are Peter. And, and you are right, Peter, in the fact that you are confessing that I am the Christ. I am the Son of God. And that flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But that's come from my Father who is in heaven. 
So the Father in heaven has revealed this truth to Peter, to this man. And then what Peter confesses is that Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the rock on which the church is built. The church is not built on Peter. The church is built on Christ. And that's what Peter is confessing here. This is the solid confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's what this church is built on. That's what God's church is built on. And because it's built on that truth, the gates of hell will never prevail against God's church. The gates of hell will never prevail against this confession of faith. Long before I became a thought of this church, God knew where this church was at. God knew where he wanted this church to go. So when God led me here in 2015, Kent reminded me that I had the call in 2014, and God said no. But when he led me here in August of 2015, you know why? He led me here to shake things up. If you, if you haven't been able to notice that, it's what we've been doing for the last six plus years. He led me here to shake things up, to remove the comfort that was setting in. He led me here to challenge this church to be the church. To be God's church and to step out in faith. In what faith? The faith on which the church is built. The faith in Jesus Christ. And then to take next steps. Because you know why? If the same patterns continued to play out, if the same symptoms of sickness continued to play out, the church would have got sicker and sicker and sicker. It would have got worse and worse and worse. And this is not what God wanted for Luther Memorial. And so it began. Different thought process, different way of doing things, different focus, all based on that firm foundation on the rock, Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, church. God knows what his church is capable of. Oh, by the way, you're the church. We'll get into that more next week and, and what that means during this autopsy. But, but God knows what his church is capable of. God knows why he has his church here in River Falls. Do you? I hope you do. I, I pray that you, you come to understand why God has placed you as the church here in, in, in River Falls. You know, God has his, his reason for placing churches in every city, in every suburb, and in every town. Sometimes it has to look a little bit different. than it once did 20, 40, 60, 80 years ago. But God has a purpose for that church in that town. It's not only to know the faith, not only to put more head knowledge in, it's not only to, do, to grow in, in our faith as we, we sit in the pews here on, on Sunday morning, but it's these things, and then it's to live it out. to know the faith. It's to grow in the faith, yes, but it's also to live out this faith. And church, that's what you are. You are the church. Christ does the building. Christ does the growing. Christ does the work in you. The gift comes from the Father through Jesus Christ to you. And then it just stops there, right? Nope. It goes 
out to others. And here's the great thing. Where we were in August of 2015, we are no longer anything like that. We have made drastic steps forward. We, we've moved from very sick areas to just symptoms of sickness. Are we healthy yet? No. Not many churches are. But we're moving in that right direction. You guys are starting to get it. I, I'm hearing stories of people reading books in the hospital room and sharing those books with the nurse. After brief conversations. I mean, we're starting to get it. You see, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is moving things just from our heads to our hearts and then out into our lives. And praise God for that. Praise God for that. Six plus years ago, this would not have been able to be said for most of the church. People are sharing Jesus. God is growing faith. Faith in him. God is growing faith in his church. God is growing faith in the direction his church here is heading. Now, this whole faith thing, right? We could, I could spend another 10 minutes on it, but I won't. I'm going I'm to bring it down to one sentence that I found from Martin Luther to help us understand where we're going in faith over these next weeks, months, years. This is what Luther said. Luther said this, Faith does not insist on knowing the reason for God's actions, but it still regards God as the greatest goodness and mercy. Faith does not insist on knowing the reason for God's actions. Faith does not insist on knowing what God has done or what God is going to be doing. Okay? We don't know what he is going to be doing in our lives or in the lives of this church. But it still regards, faith still regards God as the greatest goodness and mercy. So no matter what is to come from this autopsy, what we learn and what we take and what we move forward, we understand this, built on the faith, that rock-solid confession in Jesus Christ. We know that our faith does not insist on knowing the reason for God's actions, but it still regards God as the greatest goodness and mercy in all our steps, in all our ways, in all that we do. Friends, it's going to be fun. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. But it is going to be good because this is what God wants it to be. In Jesus' name. Amen.